right, welcome back everyone to episode number 24 of No Wristbands, We Drink for Free. We're thrilled to be able to talk to music writer and author Dan Ozzy. Dan's first book project was his co-author with Against Me's Laura Jane Grace on the acclaimed book Tranny. He was recently at the G-Man Tavern in Chicago promoting the paperback version of his national bestseller, Sellout, the major label feeding frenzy that swept punk, emo, and hardcore 1994 to 2007. We, we talked about those books and bands and, of course, Chicago music with Dan. As usual, please follow us on Twitter and Instagram at No Wristbands and join our Facebook group, No Wristbands, We Drink for Free. And don't forget to check out our bi-weekly write-up, Dig In, on our website. I hope you enjoyed this one as much as we did. All right, welcome to the new episode of No Wristbands We Drink for Free. And we are uh, super excited to have Dan Ozzy tonight here with us. Uh, you've got Papa Novak and Mark Joyner as the host. Hello, hello. And uh, Dan is a writer, author. Um, he's the mm-hmm. co-author of Tranny, Confessions of Punk Rock's Most Infamous Ar- Anarchist Sellout. And then the new book, Sellout, um, the major label feeding frenzy that swept punk, emo, and hardcore 1994 to 2007. So welcome, uh, welcome aboard, Dan. Thanks. I feel like if I get one more book with a long ass title. <laughs> yeah. Are you getting paid by the title? Do, the words in the title? It will just take the entirety of it. will just be. It'll just be people reading the headline, exactly. the titles, you know, exactly. I won't have to answer any questions. <laughs> like, well, that's that all the time a, we have. Yeah. <clears throat> right. So that was a deliberate choice. Got it. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I'm trying to get as I'm basically trying to make the text of the next book, the, the title of it as well. Yeah. <laughs> yep. It's, it's a smart plan. Um. So, Dan, thank you so much for, for coming on today. Uh, we always like to start with our guests with like, how did you get started in doing what you're doing? So how did you get started in music writing? Oh, uh, well, uh, I, I, it's hard for me to, to start this without going like back to almost the beginning, but like mm-hmm. after college, I was working in book publishing actually for okay maybe like eight years or so. I went from like house to house as you have to do in book publishing to sort of like get ahead. I was like, I think I had worked four different jobs in book publishing and then I don't know if it was a product of just sort of like approaching 30, but I was like, man, I, uh, this is all fine, I guess, but I really wish that I like focused on my own writing. That'd be cool. Mm-hmm. I'm like working on other people's writing all day. And yeah, I just kind of had that like uh fuck it moment where I quit my job right before I turned 30, I think. And I had never really done that before. Like I had never really quit a job without having one lined up. Mm-hmm. So I just up and quit. And uh, cause the last job that I was there just kind of like, wasn't a good fit. And then that kind of prompted me to just hope I could try to do it. Uh, like make writing a full-time thing. And I knew that I was going to take a financial hit at first. Like I wasn't so naive and thinking like, mm-hmm. Oh yeah, this should be easy. Like I was, I knew I was like, okay, I'm going to lose money for a while. Um, but I kind of saw it as an investment. I was like, people do, more foolish things than this. They go to mm-hmm. graduate school, for example. <laughs> uh, um, I was like, this, this is like my equivalent mm-hmm. of like grow, going to graduate school. And I just kind of hope it works out. 
And then I just caught like caught a few lucky breaks where, you know, I was freelancing and then that was very, that was tough. Uh, but I was freelancing for a while and then I got this like um, part-time gig at this website, Noisy. And I went there and I was working Love there. Noisy. Yeah, it was, well, I was freelancing for them first. And then this guy, Ben, who was the editor at the time, he, um, the editor in chief, he was like, why don't you come in like two days a week? um to the office and you can kind of like write what you want and i was like okay and i did that and i was it was going well and then he very quickly was like why don't you come in three days a week Mm -hmm. i was like okay and then eventually it was just like why don't you just work here um so that was it i weaseled my way into a full-time gig and i did that for years um while i was there i helped laura with her book and then i quit in 20 19 i think to 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 really focus on sellout in full mm-hmm. um and then here we are i think that's it i think i covered mm-hmm. it <clears throat> no i think that's really good uh so this time where are you living are you in new york are you chicago la i'm in la outside now. those places okay. yeah i moved um i moved right before like really when i first started working on sellout i moved from new york to la mm-hmm. okay cool um and so prior to like you were in publishing, you went to college for writing, I assume, or something in that that vein, something in uh, that vein. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, was so music was something you had ever written about before or you're like, I just really like music. I want to start writing about music. Well, I like it always seemed like in college that was uh, like I feel like in college I was kind of invested in that world ish i but by by which i mean like i went to a lot of shows i tried to do zines either physical or online when those started mm-hmm. coming around um they were called like web zines at the time you know yeah, i was yeah, like doing yeah. that and but like for something in me just always thought like in the back of my mind like this is not any kind of like viable career path like i just didn't didn't know what i would do with it unless i was like working at like spin or cmj or something like that um and i just like didn't have any kinds of like connections that that so like post-college i really um very quickly vanished it from the possibilities in my mind of like oh maybe you could make a make a living doing cool music coverage or something like i just kind of like thought that the two were separate i was like yeah you can you can be into music but there's no career really in that yeah um and i just kind of like resigned to that fact for a long time so if i understand Uh, it correctly it it seems like you were perfectly willing to be a sellout and go to work for somebody like spin (laughs) or uh, cmj or something right (laughs) well i like after college it was just so hard After I mean, after college, it was so hard to get a find a job anywhere. Like I know it's tough now. I'm not saying like I had it harder than anybody, any kids now. But like when I was graduating college, that was like when the bottom was falling mm-hmm. out of print. Like you know, on like I remember, uh, you know, like some newspapers were going to digital only, or mm-hmm. they were axing their some of their sections and sure. you know they were cutting the entertainment sections and magazines were folding so uh, i'm not saying like it's any better now or any worse now i just mean like at that time it was like really when you know the 
it started going off the cliff. And so maybe that also helped put it in my head that like, oh, this is not a path forward. The writing is on the wall here. How did the, uh, how did, how did the book with uh, Laura Jane Grace uh, come about uh, you being co-author on that? Yeah, I, I was, that was when I was at noisy. Um, I met her, we filmed the video together and I was like a, you know, a long time against me fan. And I thought it would be cool if she wrote a column. And so I asked her if she wanted to write a column, kind of like anything she wants. And uh, yeah, and I was just editing her and it was like fairly seamless. Like it was a good process. And then, and then she hit me up randomly one day, like, how would you feel about helping me finish my book? And, uh, and that's what it said. How would you feel about helping me finish my book? And I didn't know even like what she really meant, but mm-hmm. I was like, yeah, totally. That sounds good. And uh, so, yeah, that's how that came about. Awesome. Wow. Yeah. That's got to be uh, not every day you receive an email like that. Were you like, is this a joke or are you like, it was I, a text. Real. I was like, yeah. <laughs> text I just wrote back. Like, I don't even remember. I probably just wrote back like, hell yeah, uh-huh. obviously like I was down for whatever. <laughs> New phone. Who dis? Mm-hmm. Uh, bad joke. Yeah. Sorry. F- after reading after reading the book, uh, Tranny, um, uh, certainly seems like um, that was uh, a, 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 an influence in you ending up writing the book Sellout. Um, you know, she certainly talks about being a sellout throughout that whole book on, on various levels, like feeling like one, being accused of one, having to deal with it and all of that. So um, mm-hmm. I'm sure that must have been something, at least part of the inspiration. Yeah, a little bit. And like, I, I like Green Day was a little bit, mm-hmm. uh, well, I want to say Green Day was before my time. Like I liked Green Day in real time when that was, when Dookie was out, but I was so young and I don't, I think I understood mm-hmm. the, the politics of it. Whereas mm-hmm. against me, like I watched that in real time, you know, mm-hmm. I watched people turn on them. I did, um, you know, I was frustrating as a fan um, in, in a way. And so, you know, like that, that like whole history of, of punk. Like I, I watched it in real time. So I don't think I like knew at the time, like in 2006, seven, eight, when it was happening that like, Oh, one day I'm going to like, this is interesting. Like one Mm day somebody will document this, but I did think like, I don't know. Like I just, I, I just definitely looking back, remember the, the temperature of those conversations and looking back, I'm like, yeah, that, the world has changed such where that wouldn't happen. I guess that mm-hmm. is like historically significant. You just don't realize you're living through history at the time. You know? sure. Right. So when do you zoom out and take that macro view and you're like, oh, there's connective tissue here that's worth me writing a book about? Um. Well, I feel like that conversation, again, like when you look back at it, I feel like, yeah, that really defined uh, that conversation really defined the era of music in which I grew up. And again, like when it's happening in real time, they're just like sort of daily, daily drama, daily conversations. But like, mm-hmm. I feel like now it's been long enough that we can like look back at it with sort of like clear eyes and, and we're like a little less heated about it. Um, so yeah, I don't think that the book would have worked if you had tried to do it in real time. You know, like I feel like enough time has passed that we can now like, reflect on it as as a historical moment mm-hmm. yeah when you say that you were like too young to understand the <clears throat> the deeper meaning the context of what was going on with green day i'm with you on that one first cd I ever bought was dookie 
Um, where do you jump in that you're like, okay, I'm like riding this wave. I understand what's going on and like the back and forth of the decisions these people are making. For me, it would be like for the bands you wrote about, like at the drive in. I remember like, mm-hmm. oh my God, this band is signed to a major label. Oh my God, I can't believe they broke up. And then from there, I'm like pretty current with everything. But anything before that's like predates my time. Uh, I became kind of snobby early on. I feel like I was like kind of snobby. Like once I got into <laughs> punk, you know, by the time I was 16, I was like, uh, Pennywise, no. I like Dead Kennedys. <laughs> I like, you know, like I, you know, there's a there's a world of difference that I don't think mo- like just an, a casual outsider would yeah. understand in the difference between like Dead Kennedys and Pennywise, but it's certainly there. Mm-hmm. And so like I was so snobby when when things would come like when I would watch things get popular, I was some mm-hmm. sort of like arbiter or gatekeeper of like what should be popular, you know, and 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 then it would make me angry when, uh, you know, like there's a, I guess to answer your question, like the first thing that happened, I, I definitely remember Blink-182 getting big in real time. I remember yeah. my my girlfriend and I at the time, uh, we went to the Warp Tour when Damn It was blowing up. And that that was like, I was like watching that and re- like watching a band get big in real time. Whereas like Green Day once they came to me, they were like fully formed, you mm-hmm. know, like I got yeah. into them in 1994 mm-hmm. when every kid in the country was getting into them. <laughs> right, but right, Blink-182 right. is a thing where I was like, ooh, I'm watching this get bigger, you know, like yeah, I'm watching. Yeah, like I'll go back next summer and it'll be completely different. Um, and, and you know what? You know what else was like that, too? That's in the book is is Jimmy World, because like mm-hmm. I, me and my friends were such big fans of Clarity as just like a sort of like you know, masterful work of, of recorded music. Uh, and then I remember there, this, this show is mentioned in the book, like they played uh, the Allentown fairgrounds in Pennsylvania on the bleed American tour when they were blowing mm-hmm. up. And I remember going to that and I remember how frustrating it was just to see. And I was probably only like 17 at the time, but I remember how frustrating it was to see like, Kids just sitting there if they would play like a clarity song, like standing <laughs> there and then they would play what's the the, the middle, you know, and the like middle, every, yeah. and every kid would lose it. And you <laughs> right. as a fan, you just felt like, wow, who are all these uh, front runners? You know, yeah. who are all these yeah. like wagon riders or whatever? the fuck? Right. And, yeah. uh, and and yeah, just watching that in real time. It's frustrating. And and you look at it and you're like, oh, that, well, that's so silly. But she was 17, 18 year old. Like, I don't think it, it was because like when the shows that I would go to, I could see a, a show for twelve, thirteen dollars. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the next time they come, they're playing the Allentown Fairgrounds that maybe it costs twenty five dollars or thirty dollars. Sure. And I that at that time like, that's a lot of money. Yeah, you get priced right. out of it. And yeah. and so it almost felt like, you know, it's like gentrifying or something like that. Yeah. But it really did feel like um watching a band get big. Uh, you didn't you didn't have that cognizance to be like, oh, good for them. What yeah. your first thought is like, oh, fuck. Well, I guess <laughs> I'm not going to be able to afford to see them yeah. anymore. <laughs> or even like maybe their CDs are going to get more expensive because now they're on a major label, you know. Um, yeah. And so it was just little stuff like that where, you know, I think Tim from Rise Against says it in the book. He's like, 
no one ever, no one in the history of punk has ever said like, oh, good for them. They have families to feed. You know, like your, your <laughs> first thought is, is yourself. Like selfishly, you're just like, mm -hmm. oh fuck. Like I, I, the ticket price just doubled for this. Yeah. And, 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 you know, it feels like you get, you get pushed out of this thing that you in a way helped, helped get to where it is. Sure. Like not, not actively, but like, you know, I, I went to those shows where you were playing for 400 people and now you're playing for 2000 and this sucks, you know, wrote to me, like where I lived Roseland was like the venue that was sort of because like shows you would see a band at, at that time, I guess it was like tramps, Coney Island high and brownies. Those were like two yeah. to 400 people. And then once somebody played Roseland, that was like, what was Roseland like three thirteen hundred? And to me, like that was like, oh fuck! Once a band has graduated <laughs> to there, I'm pretty much lost control yeah. of them. And I'm sure, yeah, I'm sure in most major cities, there's that venue that's like the thousand person jump that that mm -hmm. that you know drives the ticket price cost up. Yeah, it's, well, it's probably well, the metro in Chicago. Mm -hmm. There, there's also the 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 thought of you know you, you when you're seeing these bands in there's 200 people there or whatever. I mean, you, you really feel a part of it. I mean, yeah, you, you right. feel like, like you help make this band. As you said, you're, you're part of the cool club. Um, you know, this, this is part of your family. And then, you know, suddenly they're playing for 3000 people and you're like, who are these fuckers? You know, yeah. I mean, and I'm talking about the other fans. Also, even, even for like the physicality of where you would stand. Cause yeah, I remember me exactly. and my friends would like go and take pictures and only have good cameras. We had all like fixed lens shit with, or like disposable <laughs> cameras, you know? Mm -hmm. And like, you know, all of a sudden you're just like, wait, I used to just stand up at the front with no problem and take yes. a picture on a 35 yeah. millimeter camera and it was fine. And now I need like a telephoto lens. Cause I'm like way <laughs> right. in the back, you know, so far back. So, yeah. yeah. Just even the physicality of, of where you could watch it from. Mm -hmm. And like also too, in New York and in, in like recent years, I feel like the modern version of Roseland is, um, 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 terminal five and mm -hmm. just, just, there's no good place in that venue. I don't know if you guys have ever been, there is no good place in the venue to like watch the band from mm -hmm. it's, it sucks when you're Seems on the like floor and then they have, what is it? One or two like levels, but there's no good place to like watch it for. It's just, it just sucks. And it's like a 2,500 person venue. Mm -hmm. And, and yeah, it's just like, even there, like you, you just like, you're like, wow, I used to be able to see this band when I went to see yeah. them and now I can't see them. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I I remember uh having huddled conversations with my friends when Thursday was like blowing up, right? Like uh they they started getting on Q101, like Chicago's like alternative radio station. My friends are like, We can't listen to this band anymore. <laughs> and I was like, we still like them. Like yeah, the other right. people like them. I think that's okay, right? Yeah. And like and those I, guys are the most DIY. I, I remember they played with uh did they play with thrice in at Roseland? They did tour with somebody at Roseland and like, and yeah, imagine me uh, saying that where I, like I would go to Jeff's house, like and see him yeah. in his basement, in his basement, you know, mm -hmm. like in his own oh, house. Very yeah, jealous. Yeah. I, that's, that's for some reason though, I don't, I don't really remember feeling that spiteful towards them. I, I don't know why they affected me different maybe because it was like where i lived and in a way i was kind of like oh well good for you mm -hmm. you know maybe i i don't remember i don't remember why i was like not as as put off by their like selling out you know yeah i think people just like to be gatekeepers 
I remember I went to um, the record release show for Apathy and Exhaustion by the Lawrence Arms at the Fireside with these same friends, right? And they're like, oh, this band's over. Like, what happened here? I was like, these songs were great. Like, what are you talking about? They're like, oh, I just don't know about the Lawrence Arms anymore. And here they are still making music 20 some years later. Yeah. And Chicago is like really cutthroat in that in that regard, you know, like like yeah like especially from rise again says in the book like you got to toe the line there you know mm-hmm. yeah and apparently with these 16 year old uh you know white boys from the south <laughs> you know? right. yeah they're they're brutal <laughs> uh so when you're writing sellout did you like you it seems like you had ideas in mind for bands that you were going to cover were there any bands that you didn't intend to write about but you started researching them and you're like god this story is fucking amazing i gotta cover this band um I don't think anybody, well, definitely like I, stories were definitely more complex than I originally thought. Like mm-hmm. when I, when I wrote the proposal, I wrote like a, just a, a sketch of like all of the bands. But then like when I started researching it more, I was like, wow, there's way more to this story than I thought there was. Mm-hmm. Uh, conversely too, like there are stories that I've learned after the fact have been, uh, or not that are in the book. I mean, like others that didn't make it into the book, but are, are mm-hmm. similar um, where I've learned like, oh, wow, that that's a really good story. Like, I feel like in another lifetime that would go <laughs> that would go in this book. And like, maybe there are books to be written about about those stories, too. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, so when you when you write this proposal, are you like, OK, here are the bands I'm going to write about and then. How do you go about like starting from there when they're like, they're like, yes, go do this. (laughs) Where do you start with that whole process? The first thing I did that I can remember doing was like putting a list together of like all of the people that I wanted to interview or approach about being interviewed. And um, it's deep. I should look it up one day and see like what this, because like every time I did one, I would like cross it off. So I should, I should go back and see like what the success rate was. Cause like, you know, obviously like I tried to be as completionist as possible, but like, Mm -hmm. you know, some people didn't want to talk. Some people are no longer with us Mm -hmm. and, you know, it's impossible. Um, so, but, but I do feel like I, I had a pretty good, pretty good success rate um but that that literally was the first thing that i did was like um just just make a list and start emailing you know that was the worst part of the uh, book writing process too like chasing people down emailing Mm -hmm. like following up like uh like trying to find out when people were in town Mm-hmm. Yeah, like I just like every day, like opened it up, opened up my inbox, like, please let me get good emails today that are right. like, you know, um, because that's all. Yeah, the, the the looking for looking for contact info, emailing people. I remember that being like really annoying at the time. And I'm sure I seemed, <laughs> sure. To, you know, that's the other part that like was annoying about it is just like, I felt so annoying, you know, uh-huh, right. Uh, just, just hitting people <laughs> up and being like, please. Um, well, it's so also yeah. like a, uh, like a, a different community, right? It's not like somebody being going to Keith Richards and being like, Hey Keith, I want to write a book about you. Right. Like these are people who were, are famous, but not like, you know, on in the stratosphere. Right. And then they're the whole punk ethos is kind of like, to be like, I don't know, should I be talking to this person? Does this person mm. to reflect on me properly? How did you 
did, how do you think you broke through that with people? Like, it seems like just going to shows all these years, you've cultivated those relationships and people are like, oh, Dan's a good dude. Like, that's somebody I want to talk to. Or like, how did you get people to trust you to tell their story? Yeah, I, well, I definitely got lucky having had been doing like writing about music for like many like a, you know years at that point like some people knew me from that and then also too like I do feel like the book with Laura probably helped a little bit in that like you know that book was very well received and so I mm -hmm. feel like that that probably gave me like a little bit of legitimacy yeah. as well. Mm -hmm. It wasn't just some guy. Um, you know, <laughs> I don't, I don't expect that to extend to everybody. Like, uh, you know, like I don't think everybody just, I didn't assume anybody had heard of me, but when it happened, sure. like I remember I just emailed um, Frank from my chemical romance and I was like, Hey man, I don't know if you remember, we emailed once and I'm doing this book and uh, blah, blah, blah. And, and, you know, he he was so sweet and he just wrote back like a, very quickly, like, oh, man, yeah, I loved your book with Laura. Like, this sounds really cool. You know, like, mm -hmm. and so once in a while it did open a little door that right. I was like, oh, cool. Um, <laughs> but then also, too, it was like a lot of people vouching for me, too, you know, like, because sometimes I would, yeah, maybe I would know somebody on like the mid tier. Sure. But I need to get to the guys in mm -hmm. fucking Blink-182 or something. So I feel yeah, like thanks. somebody in the, uh, you know, I would interview would be like, oh, yeah, like I'll connect. I'll put in a good word for you or something. So I feel like so many p people like put in a good word for me with like, especially to like um at the drive in those those folks are like just notoriously like tight lipped about things. And I feel like I, it, that. I, I really rely <laughs> That's on people just just saying you know this guy is legit <laughs> and so that mm -hmm. that was super helpful that had to have been really affirming that you're like this community i care so much about these bands they care so much about they like want to help me and like this thing the, is happening to be honest like uh the bands were actually usually the easiest gets like there were some the weirder ones were like I don't know. Like I'd look up like who was the A and R guy at right. like Capital in in two thousand one, and you're like, okay, well, this is just some guy who like <laughs> had a job twenty years ago. Yeah, this right? should yeah. be easy. Who? What? When does somebody ever want to interview this guy? You know, right? And then they'd they'd be like really standoffish about it sometimes mm -hmm. and like so when i you know i don't not that i'm like i don't want to be reductive with people but there were some like big asks where i'm like oh fuck i gotta like ask you know like you know i don't know like the the artists name were, drop. It's the okay. artists were, well, the artists were the big asks you're like oh yeah. my god those are like the top tier ones but then there were like and then there were like supplementary ones where i was just like oh yeah like i also want to talk to some band that they toured with right mm -hmm. and that's sure. like i always thought of those as like the, the b rung you know the b ring of this thing and then yeah, yeah. Then, then then like the the sort of like easier gets i always thought would be like oh yeah and then i'll just talk to like their publicists and people who worked for them like that should mm -hmm. be easy because those are just like people with day jobs and sometimes it was just the complete inverse where like those <laughs> people were the hardest ones and the people and maybe it's because like artists are used to being interviewed and so they're mm -hmm. like right. oh, yeah yeah no no yeah. worries um so yeah, it, it it worked out like you in a lot of instances, like the inverse of what I thought it was going to be, you know? Mm -hmm. Did you have any moments doing this where you were like, I can't believe I'm talking to this person right now that were like very surreal to you? Um, yeah, like in a lot of cases, uh, I did feel that, you know, like certainly like when I was talking to any of the 
artists because like i tried to do as many of those as like face to face as as possible and before the like pandemic said that we couldn't mm-hmm. do that um and i guess i kind of feel that way but i always like i'm more just like nervous going in about like i have to do my job and i have to get the information that i want mm-hmm. and so like I feel like the this the like the star power of it or whatever was kind of like second to sure just being nervous about being a good, yeah. yeah and so like I I don't think I got I don't really I don't know I like yeah the, I, it was definitely cool um, when you're just like sitting at a, at a table with Blake Schwartz and Bach I'm like wow this is very cool <laughs> yeah. um, but the more I was just like worried about doing a good job. So, so yeah, like, I, I don't know, like I, I, I felt it, but like, it wasn't like over overbearing or anything. Yeah. You felt pressure because you wanted to do a good job and you felt pressure because you like wanted to be present in that moment to do the right thing versus like fanboying out. I get that. Yeah. And like, also too, like I, I, I've seen enough, like, uh, I, I think like doing, you know, like hanging out with Laura a lot doing, uh, when she was like promoting, her book um i feel like i saw a lot of a lot of like i remember <laughs> i don't want to like shame anybody but like i remember we were <laughs> in houston yeah houston maybe and we went to like a uh, a radio interview and like the first like fifth of the interview was just this like interviewer telling Laura like oh, okay so I just want to say the first time I saw against me was in 2007 at the blah 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 and then blah, blah, blah. <laughs> and and Laura was a pretty like she's pretty expert at doing these interviews and she just kind of like sat there nodding being like oh cool 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 and then <laughs> later on she was just like you know I've done that interview before and I was like what interview she's like the one where the person just wants to tell you about how how they found your band or how much they love your music or whatever. So like, I, I don't know. I do feel like I've seen enough bad ones where I'm like, okay, I know what it, you know, like I, I definitely started a bunch of conversations where I was like, oh, thank you so much for doing this. By the way, if I haven't mentioned, um, big fan, excited to talk about it, whatever. Yeah. But like, you know, no, I, I don't, I don't often like to be the guy who's like, okay, so do you remember in 1998 you did this? You know, like, I don't know what's, what comes of that, you know? Yeah. Actually, I just so, like in doing the book tour, like events, I kind of got that where people want to give me their like, oh, you know, like you have this show in the book. Like I was there and it definitely was like that. And, and like, you know, I, I love hearing it, but at the same time, it's just like, it, I, that wouldn't be appropriate. Like if I was trying yeah. to conduct an interview. So that makes, that begs the question, how are we doing? Are Are we... <laughs> Stratting that line, okay. <laughs> All good. Yep. Great. Oh, thank God. Now, um, now, in some of the, you know, some of the interviews you have to do, you're talking to people who might or might not come across really well in the book because obviously there were some people that made bad decisions or did some, you know, not so great things. How how does it feel having to sort of write about that? Um, I don't know. Like, I really, <clears throat> really tried to take any judgment i have out of the book and like if you've read it you know it's mm-hmm. completely objective and i am not in it my voice is not in it my opinions are not in it mm-hmm. however like i do feel like there is some power that i have as a writer in selecting 
which quotes of somebody make it into the book. Like I want people to be speaking in their own words, but I do have some power over like which words I'm of theirs I'm putting in the book. Mm -hmm. Um, However, like I I really feel like I don't did, I don't, I don't feel like I did anyone like dirty or anything like that. I, I feel like I use everybody's quotes in a fair way. And I've, I've had people tell me like, you know, like, wow, that person seems like a dick. And, you know, like sometimes they're right. <laughs> like, but, but, but at the same time too, I wasn't, I wasn't trying to do any like gotcha questions. I wasn't trying mm-hmm. to make anybody step no, in yeah. it. I think and if that somebody comes across, I book. think if somebody's personality is lacking in the book, it's probably lacking in real life, you right. know? Um, so yeah, I, I really feel like I, I, I hope anyways, that I captured everybody like as they are, I, I really haven't had any complaints of people being like, um, mm-hmm. you know, I don't like how I came across in that book or, sure. or anything like that. Um, no, nobody zero, like literally zero people have said, like, I don't like how you covered me or I don't like, I didn't say this. I said, so, you know, I, I double check quotes, especially if it's somebody who has like, you know, like, uh, Chicago's own, uh, Tony victory. I was very <laughs> careful about how I transcribe those quotes. Like I went over them several times. I know he's like a, a like both litigious and sort of hot headed and, um, you know, so I'm, I wasn't try, like the, the quotes that he gave me. That's what he said. You know, it wasn't mm-hmm. it wasn't any like stretching or, uh, you know, I, I feel like if you were to read that, you'd be like, yeah, no, I, that's how he is. So, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, yeah, I tried to be as fair as as possible. Uh, has, has any of the people who participated been like, oh, like, that's what was going on? Like, has there been any revelatory moments for anybody who you interviewed? Um, you know, I got a I got a call from Jim Ward from at the drive-in, who's like a yeah. very, very nice guy, and it was very um generous with his time. And he once he finally read it, he 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 was like, Yeah, you know, I actually I gotta say you got pr- pretty much everything right. Um, and I learned I learned things about the band that I didn't know. Mm-hmm. And I was like, Wow, <laughs> that's cool. I was like, What yeah. what? And he was like, Well, you know, they had that like really really uh unsavory uh business happened with their record label not nothing none of their faults it was all like mm-hmm. you know the, the record label that they were on the guy turned out to be like a fucking alleged child molester you know so like that kind of Jesus. shit and i just don't yeah. think i just don't think he he knew the extent of it and he yeah. so he mm-hmm. kind of like learned some of that from the book which is i I'll, i take that as a huge compliment you know oh, yeah I, I definitely would right yeah yeah um so this idea of like selling out seems to be like such a 90s early to mid 2000s concept uh where like especially you know local bands in chicago get lit up all the time like you pointed out about selling out or not selling out but it seems like a concept that's kind of like dated at this point why do you think or like what what what's your what are your thoughts on that do you think that's something that like organically happened was our tipping point like do you think it's a good thing that people aren't held to that same standard now was it never really a big deal um so i like i this is a question i get asked a lot and like i don't mm-hmm. I, I don't know like i don't uh can't speak definitively on it but i i will say that like if if you read the book especially the introduction um, I, I tried to lay out the pre Green Day, pre Nirvana um, history mm-hmm. pretty clearly in that there were um, 
there were really two separate worlds of uh, the mainstream and the underground in, in terms of music, and they could really operate independently um, without ever crossing paths. You know, um, really, like if you were an independent band in the 80s, you were truly independent. Mm-hmm. You know, you were yeah. um, there was no like money coming in from alt- alternative sources. However, um, once Nirvana stepped into the mainstream, I think that that line really muddied and that's why people got so mad about it because like the mainstream was like buying up the culture of the subculture. Mm-hmm. And so like now I just feel like those lines have been so obliterated. And even if you pride yourself as like an independent band, um, you know, most, I'm not, not all, but like almost all artists now are like, have uh the tentacles of um big corporations and tech in their music whether that's like streaming services whether that's live nation Mm -hmm. whatever like it's just so hard so much harder to operate entirely independently than it used to be so i feel like fans now uh don't know like a better like it's sad but like i feel like younger fans now don't even realize that like a better world is possible like a world where like you don't have to play the game of the algorithms of instagram (laughs) and spotify or whatever and and so like yeah it's it's a bummer but i just don't i just don't feel like uh younger audiences even (laughs) uh like they they don't think it's like a bad thing when a band does yeah. a, a a a song commercial you know because they get paid for it whereas like you know that was very lame when i was growing up yeah um so now, but now i think i think they're just happy that their that their bands are getting paid or whatever you know cuz like physical like uh monetary transactions have gone down between fans and and artists that's why you got to buy your merch directly from. You got to buy my my book and, and my merch, book. all Absolutely. my merch and my book mm-hmm. yes. right here. Yeah, uh, that's yes. that's why. You no, no, no. Can't... That was a hardcover. You've got to buy oh, the yeah. hardcover and the paperback. <laughs> the paperback. Twenty twenty two. It's, it's, yeah, that, it's okay, on my. Good. Cr- but you, but you need the hardcover. Everybody's yeah, exactly. Everybody has. <laughs> yes, it's a it's a bookend, yeah. if you will. Um, yeah. It's, well, yeah, I, don't worry, it's on on my list. Okay, great, great. I, I I think part of it it was also like the the major labels realized that they were really fucking bad at this. Like they didn't they they didn't know how to do it. You know, um, when 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 they signed Green Day, you know, in your book, Rob Cavallo from Warner Brothers says, you know, we gave them two hundred grand. We figured they could sell a hundred thousand records, which they had already sold fifty thousand. So you know, that's that that's totally understandable to break even um they go out and they sell, sell millions and so now everybody else comes in and says oh we got to buy you know we got to sign up all these bands and they're all going to sell millions well of course they weren't going to you know some of them were going to be capable of of selling a hundred thousand dollar records a uh, hundred thousand records but um you know you're paying them way too much so when they start paying them five hundred thousand a million a million and a half whatever that's kind of ridiculous yeah. And, and like, I think that like, it, it's funny because Green Day and then this is not a dig at Rob Cavallo because he's a very humble guy. I just mean like guys in the A&R business, like uh, saw Green Day's success and and like Green Day is a very special band. You know, there's mm-hmm. there's something about them and they just like caught lightning in a bottle and uh, they 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 blew up. And I feel like people saw that freak moment in time 
and thought it was like a skill. You know, they were like, oh, wow, this label made this band huge. Mm -hmm. So we can certainly do that too. Like, let's just do that, that thing that just happened. Where like Green Day is like a once in a lifetime, like a once in a generation, like, uh, you know, uh, like, um, success story you know mm-hmm, like yeah. that's completely not duplicatable right. <laughs> and and so yeah everybody saw that and thought and just had the hubris to think like oh yeah like i could i could find mm-hmm. a band like that and right. do that yeah. well, you can actually yeah. like that's why green day is so special <laughs> right because they 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 completely surprised everyone yeah it's hey, all in the God record label that. promotion yeah God bless yeah. that feeding frenzy though because otherwise daniel johnson doesn't get on a major label right <laughs> yeah <laughs> Um, so was there a band that like in, in researching going down the rabbit hole on that you were like, you'd always been a fan of that uh, suddenly you're like, I look at this band in a different light and like, I appreciate them more now than when I started writing about them. Um, I don't know about for me, but I definitely get tweets like that a lot where people will say, you know, I never really paid too much attention to this band. And now I'm like really into them. I just had a like somebody that I know tag me and like, uh, you know, like those Spotify year end things that are like, yeah. here's what you mm-hmm. listen to this year. Uh, <laughs> he he posted it and he posted like, you know, I Rise Against is a really surprising addition, but it was just because I was like reading Dan Ozzy's book. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't I don't know about for me. Actually, I'll give you my answer is like. Uh, I, I sincerely think that like one of the most underrated records in the book is that first Donna's LP for that, like got released on lookout records, the blue. Mm-hmm. Well, I think it's just a self-titled. Um, it's awesome. It's so awesome. Um, that record was like a really, like, I, I feel like that one out of all the records that I like had to listen to for research, sure. that was the yeah. one where I like definitely came away being like mm-hmm. oh no 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 this is this is like a, i'm glad i gave more time to this for sure are are any of those songs you listen to me you're like how is this not like a huge hit no i don't know like i you know like jeff rickley from thursday and i did a, a an event together and i feel like may, i maybe asked this in the wrong way but like we were talking about uh his uh, song what was it signals over the air that was that mm-hmm. they tried to market over a, as a as a hit and yeah that was like it never really sing- single on that album right? yeah it didn't catch uh, on radio and when i look back i having the benefit of hindsight i'm like yeah of course like i don't think this is a good fit for the radio but like at the time like there i don't like i can't re- i still haven't it's been like a year and I still can't articulate this, but like there were just not songs like that, that had broken out yet really. Mm -hmm. So like, to me, it's not surprising that that, like, I don't know. I don't really ever think that I, I don't, even at the time I didn't think Thursday was ever going to like really break through to the mainstream because like I loved their music, but I recognize that there was like something sort of esoteric about it. Mm -hmm. Um, and so, like, I- I'm very surprised and glad, don't get me wrong, that they got as big as they did. Um, but for some reason, I was like, I just don't I just don't think that this is, like, universal enough. I think it's, mm-hmm. like, a little weird, which I like, yeah. you know. But I just right. don't think, like, Green Day, you're like, oh, yeah, this is, like, a pop song. This is just yeah, a fast pop that. song. Yeah. It's so digestible. But yeah, Thursday right. is not, like, it's, a, it's just a little more angular and weird. And so, to me, like, I was just like, I don't. I, I but then again, like I, I don't think I'm good at picking like winners and losers. Like I have friends who do A and R, 
And it's a real skill because I'll hear something that I think sucks. And I'm like, yeah, this sucks and it sucks. But my, I have friends who can listen to something and be like, oh, this sucks. And I think kids would like this. You know what I mean? And I don't wow. have that like ability to remove that wall, but he yeah. does. He'll, he'll be mm-hmm. like, yeah, this is just stupid enough to catch on. Um, whereas, <laughs> That's like, how you end I, up with I, Cake I, by I the Ocean. I can only be like, oh, I like this song and I think it's a good song or I think this sucks. You know, and and that's as far as I can get. I I can't really predict trends mm-hmm. very well. I don't I don't think. Sure. Um. Was was the general pop's reaction to sellout surprising to you, or are you like that's kind of what I expected? Like, what's been the biggest surprise since you put out the book? And then the even better paperback. <laughs> right. Yeah, the exactly. More yes. uh, well, this sounds really like pompous, but like uh, when we published it i knew that it had there was something there like i just i think that if you go through two years of edits and re-edits and legal reads and copy edits and all this other stuff and at the end of that two years you still like it like i think you Mm -hmm. made something special and so like I, i was just really confident in it um and so like i I thought that it would land well. What I didn't expect was the like immediacy of it. Cause like, I was like, okay, well yeah, putting out a 450 page book, this (laughs) should give people something to chew on for a while. And like, weirdly, like the reaction, like the month that it came out um, was surprising. Cause I was like, people have like read this already. People are like already excited about it. (laughs) Um, So like that, that part of it was, was surprising. Mm-hmm. Um, just like the immediacy of, of it and, and the, and the personal nature with which like, you know, like, I think it's very easy to connect to a book about, you know, like, I don't know, personal essays or memoirs or something. Cause you mm-hmm. read it and you're like, yeah, that's me. I love this writer because like, mm-hmm. we're the same. We're, we're so like this person saying the, the things I feel in mm-hmm. a, in a beautiful way. Um, but my, my book is like a textbook, you know, it's like a nonfiction book. And so the, the fact that like people feel any sort of like personal connection to it, I think is really cool. And I, I think it's just, I just chalk it up to the fact that like, there were no books about Jimmy World and millions of kids like Jimmy right. World. Yeah. And there should have been a book about Jimmy World. And I was yeah. just the first person to raise my hand and be like, yeah, I'll do it. Um, mm-hmm. And so like, yeah. And there's some bands that are so big, like Rise Against is, I forget because I just kind of like talk to them over soda, you know, but I just forget <laughs> how big they are. And like, you know, they, I saw them a headline at Riot Fest and I was like, oh, right. Yeah. Like these guys are just massive <laughs> and there's no book about them there's no mm-hmm. like serious documentation about mm-hmm. rise against or jimmy world who had a, a top five hit radio song and yeah. so like yeah so to me like it was uh i think that's kind of like i chalk that up to uh explaining the the sort of like fervor for the book is that there was just like it was just something that was just like floating in the ether and i was just the one that like grabbed it and pulled it down you know Absolutely. I mean, it's a phenomenal book. And to your point, it's great that people are connecting with it so much, even when there's an index, right? What do you mean? Like, is, you're like, oh, people think of this as like personal essays, but like, it, like a textbook, it has an index. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, uh, <laughs> yeah. I, it's it's really like crazy that, that, that people 
you know, attach me to it again too, because like I, like I said, like I was so careful to remove myself in all instances. And Mm -hmm. even in the like introduction, I didn't, I didn't put anything like I wrote this book because like (laughs) I, me that like does not exist anywhere in the book. And so like, just the fact that like people see through it and are like interested in the person behind it and want to come to my event or have me in a podcast, Mm -hmm. like that's really cool. You know, that's really, really cool. Yeah. It's amazing. Cause you read Um, like, I don't know, what do people read? Like David Sedaris or whatever. And you're like, Oh, this guy (laughs) is kind of like weird the way I'm weird or whatever. And like, I, I get that. And so just like the fact that like people know my name at all is just like, I don't know. It's really cool. Yeah, absolutely. It's got to be somewhat surreal too. Yeah. Um. So, what's next? What What are, What are you working on now? If anything, um, I've been like working on this project that's going to be. Hopefully, I like wish they would like would get it out soon, but it'll be it'll be big. Um, but I've also been like trying to write a novel, which is fun. I don't know. So like. Th- things cool. th- i hope like stuff will get announced soon because mm-hmm. like there's there's some stuff on the horizon that's going to be very cool excellent it's awesome um yeah. so we're a chicago-based podcast you obviously wrote about some chicago bands i listened to your 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 podcast uh and you, you know you had my my good friend brendan kelly he's not my good friend. <laughs> love lawrence arms but yes uh so you clearly have like an affinity for some some chicago music so when we when you think about chicago music what do you think about you know, I, I, well, it's Chicago is deceptive because I, um, right now, like I think about, uh, like when I think about modern Chicago music, I think about like the fact that you have like 2000 music festivals every summer, you know? <laughs> right. And so like every time I'm like in Chicago for music, it's like for a festival you know, mm-hmm. um, so I, I associate like a lot of like festival culture with Chicago now. Mm-hmm. Um, but like for, if it wasn't for that, like if Riot Fest and all this stuff had never started up, I, I think I would just like kind of close my eyes and envision the fireside in the way that like, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I pictured like I, I equate Gilman with the Bay Area. Mm-hmm. Um, and so like, yeah, and there's like a lot of like, you know, I've watched like a lot of YouTube videos of just like mm-hmm. mid nineties fireside bowl shows. Um, so like that's that scene. Cause like when I was, when I was interviewing them, like they were kind of like telling me about venues that I had like really was unfamiliar with. And mm-hmm. I had to do some like sort of like catching up to like mm-hmm. understand the way out of Chicago and the, the surrounding suburban areas. Um, so yeah, to me, like that, that's what I think of when I, close my eyes and picture like the Chicago punk history is like those, like that, like wood paneled walls yeah. of like fireside. Just, that, like, brown just gum color. on the wall. Just that, disgusting. That brown color is like legitimately like what I think of through yeah. the lens of like mm-hmm. some like video camera in the mid nineties, yeah. you know? Yeah. It was a, it was a very special place, a very gross place, a very hot place, but it was perfect. It was absolutely perfect what it was. I I drove by there when I was in town last month for the event. I had never been there before and I like went, went past there, saw it. Yeah. It's, it's, it's so surreal. Like I grew up in the suburbs. So like going in, you'd go to the city where we're going to go to the fireside. I promise I'm not going to be one of those people who's like, let me tell you my life story right now. (laughs) Uh, 
and it would always be like a big deal. It'd be like, we're going to the fire side this weekend. Mm-hmm. And then like move, I went away for college, came back and like just wandering the streets. You see the fire side. You're like, that's where it was. Like <laughs> in my mind, it was like so far out there would never, ever see it again. And then you're walking down the street and you're like, oh, this isn't mm-hmm. that far away. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, thank you for letting me tell you that tangent. Um, sure. So now I'm going to ask you some Chicago based questions. Here we go. Oh, no. uh, feel if this free is to- trivia, I'm going to. No, it's no, not no, trivia. Fail. It's okay, not trivia. Yeah, thank yeah. God. And the fun part about this is you get to add as much or as little context or or answer to your answer as you want. So, first question is: I just realized. I'm sorry. I'm just realizing that if my name was Travis, we would be Mark Tom. This would be the Mark Tom and Travis show. <laughs> oh, that, and that would be awesome. Fuck. You is your middle name Travis? Somebody, no, you guys got to have yeah. like a lower, a less famous Travis on. <laughs> Travis Scott. I don't know. We're going to we're going to start working on that. Yeah. Yeah. Travis yeah. from Piebald. Have him. You on. know, we got to get Travis Morrison from um, mm. Dim- Dismemberment Plan. Dismemberment Plan. Yeah. yeah. I shared a hotel yeah. room with that guy. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> that's a tangent. Anyway, uh, no. Hey, no. I want to hear all about that. One of my friends when I lived in New Orleans, she's like, "Do you know this guy named Travis Morrison?" And I was like, "Yeah." She's like, "I met him out randomly. He stays with me every year for for uh, Jazz Fest now." And I'm like that's super that guy's weird. Just, that guy seems just like, no. I from well from what I know, he just seems like a guy who crashes where he can. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, respect. So, uh, first question is Chicago, obviously known for deep dish, but there are other forms of pizza here also, like tavern style thin crust pizza. So, are you a thick or thin crust pizza lover? I'll fuck with a th- with a thick crust for sure. Like okay. I don't I don't mind it, but it's definitely like a different eating experience right <laughs> yeah there, there's a there's gotta a place have no plans after there oh yeah for sure there's a place near here near me called masa which has like a deep dish that's like so thick that you have to order it when you put your name down for a table like you or <laughs> uh-huh. like you come in and like oh yeah and they're like okay 25 minutes for a table and they put the pizza in then because it takes like so long mm-hmm. um it takes like 45 minutes to cook but yeah it's like such a different eating experience like that's not something i'll have every day like masa right. i'll go for like once a year sure. i had a i had a pretty good deep dish when i was on tour in but it wasn't chicago it was in um berkeley i had a pretty good deep dish that was so that was last month was the last time i had like a good deep dish slice okay excellent uh we don't get too many deep fans on here so i will we take also it. <laughs> we also we I, the, the, the other thing with deep dish too is like regular pizza i will just eat until there's no more deep mm-hmm. dish is like okay like i got through <laughs> half of this right. i'm gonna save this for tomorrow yeah. so when i was staying with my friend in berkeley we had we finished like half the deep dish and then she just like left left it out like on the kitchen table like didn't put it in the fridge but then i woke up the next morning and i'm like well this is perfect breakfast is it <laughs> did we like is it okay still? Uh-huh. Like we left it out like for maybe nine hours. Like it's okay mm-hmm. still, right? And I don't know why this was so stupid because I had an event to do later that night. But I'm like, yeah, I'm gonna have two slices <laughs> for breakfast. And uh, what a gamble that was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. People are like, Dan doesn't seem very energetic. Yeah, to Dan's that. weighed down by like rancid cheese. But you know, you got to take those chances in life. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, you got to shoot your shot for sure. Um, so you've been here. You said for a lot of festivals and everything so i assume and maybe this is an incorrect assumption but you've you've been to a lot of different venues around chicago like concerts um well they they were probably like after shows from any like Mm -hmm. festivals so i've been to the metro uh once or twice probably twice um 
And I've been to, what was that place? The Beat Kitchen? Mm-hmm. Yep. And I've been to, yeah, I don't remember what else, but I feel like it was all like after shows from from the okay. festival. Mm-hmm. Did any of any of those venues stick out in your mind as like a place that you'd be like, this is a cool place to see a show? Yeah, I mean, Bee Kitchen was cool. Uh, Metro was cool. Uh, and then uh, I had never been to the G-Man before until, before mm, I did my events there. And yeah, that was that was really cool too. Yep. Yeah. Love that place. Um, so what makes the Chicago music scene unique to you? You tell me. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, like, I guess it's not that much. Hmm. What makes it so much more unique? Or what, what's what's flip it? Let's say, what do you think of when you think of the Chicago music scene? Uh, you know, like I think of bands that like don't have what like just is this is just like thinking of the Midwest in general because I really didn't go to the Midwest growing up. Mm-hmm. So I really I really think of the Midwest in general, like the scene there as just sort of like nothing not as much to prove or not not that they don't have anything to prove but like not trying to impress anybody like i've mm-hmm. only lived in new york and la and i feel like those shows are like real you know those are always like the linchpins of the tour like make it or break it shows mm-hmm. or whatever but i feel like you could just like hang it midwest shows yeah you right know? <laughs> in, yeah. in a way that doesn't exist here um because like i don't know feel like here in new york it's like it's not about the hang you know it's like the Mm -hmm. show ends and the lights come on and it's like all right everybody get out (laughs) um but i feel like the midwest like the show part of it is not the destination it's Mm -hmm. it's the like hang of it you know that's i don't know maybe that's just how i like always idealize it in my head no, I, I think there's definitely something to it. I mean, like, yeah, you go see a show at the Metro, then you just spill over to the G-Man afterwards. Right. right. Yeah. So I don't know. I don't know. I guess I don't like have that many conceptions about Chicago mm-hmm. generally. Mm-hmm. Um, That's OK. And again, like, that. I feel like my 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 experience has been so skewed by the fact that, like, when I do think about personally being there i'm like it's memories of being at like riot fest or something and obviously like that's just not how it is every day of the right. week you know <laughs> so yes. i feel like my my uh experiences have been uh so tainted by mm-hmm. them. <laughs> the replacements aren't reuniting every day to right play around <laughs> town. yeah yeah unfortunately um, what have you been listening to lately? What's on your Spotify wrapped? I'm just kidding. What, I, what you know what? Today? And I'm not saying this to like earn any kind of points or anything. Cause I have in the past, like looked at my Spotify wrapped and maybe it's just like subconsciously being embarrassed about, about my music consumption this year <laughs> or, but like, I really like had a moment. I, I don't know. Like I, I find it really annoying when people start posting those, but to, this year I really was like, get the fuck out of here with this, this shit. And maybe, <laughs> maybe because I've had to do so many interviews where we're talking about like how bad corporate media is like making independent, but like, I really, you know, like w- the way I look at it is like when somebody posts like their Spotify rap, no disrespect to anybody that has done it. But to me, it like, it, it's like somebody just posting like, a, a colorful infographic from 
Exxon Mobil being like, <laughs> look at all the cool gas I consumed this year. You know, it's like, it's bad. Like I consider yeah. it a vice. Like anything yeah. that I've listened yeah. to on Spotify, yeah. I consider a vice. So to me, like this year, I really took a hard line of like, I'm not looking at this Spotify mm-hmm. year end thing. I'm just not fucking doing it. Um, and I don't miss it at all. And also too, like, I don't, I, I feel like I kind of fell off this year and I don't, I didn't really listen to a lot. Um, shit wow. so i'm giving you like my my high horse answer as a way of like <laughs> right. yeah i just want to know what you've been listening to lately maybe there's something cool that you're listening to probably not <laughs> 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 like what's what's like come back what's come out this year Hello. nothing like yeah Black country really, new road i ride for that band yeah i don't know i really like i'm not i'm not really a good uh I'm looking at now the best indie rock of 2022, and I'm like, yeah, I don't know, nothing <laughs> like stuck on me. I don't know. Yeah, yeah I'm he's not been, good. He's, and... he's been w- busy working on the oh, new project. Well, I'll tell you one thing. This is just to like ride for a friend of mine. Um, that new Gladdy record is so cool. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, my friend Augusta is in this band Gladdy, and I think last week, two weeks ago, they put out a record. Um, it's awesome. So yeah, her record is good. Um, but yeah, I've been like woefully off on like new things. I think I feel like when I had a day job where it was like my job to know all this shit, I mm-hmm. would have like 40 fucking reasons. Did Laura Stevenson's record come out this year too? I think it did. Uh I listened to her record. Oh, that was last year. God, man, time flies. <laughs> <laughs> so, only, yeah, I don't know. Only one new record a year for you. Yeah, I'm like, I'm really like, it's, it's, it's sad. Like, I think it's just because it was my job for, for years to like have to know all this shit and like have to have opinions on things. And so Mm -hmm. like one of the, one of the like pleasant outcomes of quitting my job was like just enjoying music at my own pace, not having to have an opinion on it. You know what I mean? Like just, yeah. just finding things when I find them. Uh, it's been really nice. And like, I, I don't know the, the like daily cycle, the weekly cycle of it really like exhausts me, you know? Sure. Mm-hmm. For sure. Um, so now my last question for you is uh, you saw me drinking a PBR earlier. What is your go-to favorite cheap drink? It doesn't have well, to be an alcoholic beverage if you don't drink. Okay. I, I, I don't drink alcohol. And if I'm going to plug, you know, here's my, my favorite Uh-oh. soda of all time. There we go. Jones. <laughs> I can't see what's on it. I think it's a sellout soda. It's a sellout cola. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> Wait, sorry. You froze yeah. up for a sec. Um, nice. Yeah, I had a custom soda made because wow. this, this, so this, this, you asked a really big question because I don't have an alcoholic one, an alcoholic beverage for you, but um, this year, my friend, uh, uh, comedian and friend Chris Gethard stayed with me for a while. And, mm. and as a thank you, he, he also doesn't drink. And there's this, um, store near me called, uh, Galco's shout out to Galco's that it's like an old timey soda shop. And they just have so okay. many like kinds of like, uh, small batch sodas. And just as a thank you, he got me like a case of like these various sodas. So over the summer, I think I drank like over 75 different kinds of sodas this summer. (laughs) And, and so, yeah. So I just like, um, I just like, so you've, you've asked me a huge question because I've, (laughs) I've just been drinking so much soda. Um, 
So yeah, so like they're all soda based answers. Nice. That's fine. Hey, I want that. Yeah. Like, I'm I'm from the Midwest, so I'm gonna say pop, right? So I love mm-hmm. orange pop, and like, well, okay, the, but I, oh yeah, go ahead. I would say like top tier orange pop to me is like orange knee high. Like I love orange knee high. Very hard to find, but delicious. I don't really like, uh, or I th- let me let me rephrase that. I, I thought that I didn't like orange soda, um, and then and as I'm going on this soda journey, uh, mm-hmm. um, I've had. A couple of good ones. There was one called um, Dublin Orange. I think it's called oh Dublin Texas Soda. That was a good orange soda. Um, I keep them all lined up, but it would be so cool if I had an internet connection. <laughs> okay, um, yeah, the Dublin one was good. There's this one called Oh So Good Soda that makes a great uh, key lime soda if that's wow. your thing. Okay. Um, dang, that's good. Is it makes a good butterscotch root beer. Wow. Um, all right. Um, wait, there's one more. I think it's called Oh Mason's has a good root beer. I'm a big root beer guy. Mason's oh. has a good root beer. Yeah. There's another one called Brownie Caramel Cream Root Beer that's really good. I've also had a shit ton of bad. Sorry, I'm looking mm. through. I like keep them in a story on my Instagram. Like I, no, I hey, catalog every single to. one. Um, I'm, so if I'm, you're if you're interested in my soda reviews, by all means, go on my Instagram and look at my. Okay. Oh, oh, okay. I'll give you one. I'll give you one. Okay. Like lucid answer because I feel like I was just rambling about this. <laughs> there's there's a company and I don't know where else they like have distribution, but there's a place near me called Revenge of that sells this soda called Wild Bills, and they come in these like sort of like Red Bull sized cans. And they just make a lot of like interesting flavors and some classics. Like they do some take, they do a take on like a Dr. Pepper and one on like a classic cola, but then they also do like, like an apple pie one. They do a mm. uh, rocket pop one, you know, like the ones that you would get from like the, the ice cream yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. truck. Um, oh, okay. And like, what, what else they did like a, uh, Oh, they have like an orange cream one that tastes like an orange creamsicle. Big, mm. big fan of Wild Bills. If you ever see wow. it, um, there's some like good, uh, they have some good weird flavors. I just don't know where to get it. <laughs> I mean, this is probably the, my favorite answer that we've had so far. So uh-huh. thank yeah. you for that. Yeah. This is a small yeah. batch soda. If you can, if you're <laughs> yes. in the Los Angeles area, there we go. Uh, Revenge of on Eagle Rock Boulevard has them. I just okay. truly do not know. And I search for wild bills and I just get all this like football. (laughs) (laughs) It doesn't even like come up. Oh, I I spelled it. (laughs) Anyways, now you guys have put me on a journey to see like what else. It's not even easy to find when you go. Okay. Wild bill soda. Yeah. It's a veteran owned and operated company. If that changes anything for you. Okay. Makes me want Um, it even more now. Exactly. mm Oh man, you guys got me into some like <laughs> I'm gonna end up spending a hundred dollars because of this podcast. <laughs> they got a root beer, they got a sarsaparilla, they got a birch okay. beer, rocket pop, strawberry cream, a like a Dr. Pepper style, and an orange cream one. Wow, this company Damn. does it all. <laughs> all right, revenge. I'm I'm sensing a new book here. Yeah, I was gonna get it. Well, 
Chris Gethard knows a lot about soda. I posted something the other day about one of the one of the brands that he had given me, and he's like, "Do you not know the story behind this? This is like <laughs> a famous like look up Dr Pepper versus Dr Pepper. It's like a famous case where like the cool indie soda company like wow. sued the big guys and won." And I was like. Okay, <laughs> you clearly uh-huh. know so more about soda than me. <laughs> Dude Respect. loves pop. He, yeah, Chris is like a big. Yeah, so if you're gonna if you're looking to follow two soda influencers, <laughs> I would recommend myself and Chris Gethard, who knows his soda stuff. That's that's happening the second yes. we hang up. Great, yep, exactly. <laughs> Good. If you ever want to well, get him on this podcast, I I recommend like luring him with a. <laughs> like a case of some be like oh we just want to talk about soda then like sneak in some chicago yeah, music questions I, he's like I know what the hell's a, have to do with soda he's a big fan of that like cucumber soda so send him a case of that maybe <laughs> yeah. you can get him you know if you ever if he ever like does chicago uh comedy like bring a case of that and be like you know put it at the end of a fishing line <laughs> be like, well, how would you like to do my podcast <laughs> Excellent. Real That's usually man, how we so. get most people. Yeah, you yeah. gotta hook them in and, and just <laughs> awesome. reel them in. Yep. Oh man, I love that. Awesome. Uh well, Dan, thank you so much for your time. It's mm-hmm. been wonderful chatting with you. Um, I know we went a little over, so I apologize, but oh, thank good. you for the the yeah, I'm gonna say pop, soda or pop <laughs> tangent that we went down there. Um no, number make sure Number one takeaway from this for people is you got to buy sellout and you yeah. got to buy the hardcover and the soft and because there, yeah. there's nine more bands in the the, the paperback. Ooh, I should I since I pay like $19 a year for this, I should put, probably plug the URL, which is sellout dot biz. All right. You can get all uh, of my wares there. Excellent. <laughs> excellent. Uh, yes. Well, thank you so much for your time. Have a have a good night and good holiday season. Thanks so much for coming on. Thanks mm-hmm. for having me, guys. Yep. All right. Take care. Thanks so much for listening today. We are No Wristbands. We drink for free. Music, of course, has been provided by Merlin Wall. Please check them out on Spotify or on Bandcamp. Please also subscribe to our podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. And give us a follow on Instagram and Twitter at No Wristbands and check out our website at NoWristbands.com.